Okay, good morning, everyone. Please come and grab your seat. Happy New Year to you all. If you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you. Quick straw poll. Who still has their Christmas decorations up at their home? A few of you, Christmas tree. Well, in our house, we still have ours up. I'm of the camp they should be down by now. My wife is of the camp that they shouldn't be. They're still up, so draw your own conclusions. But what we found out recently, well, I haven't verified this, but my wife told me this, so I'm assuming it's true. She said, Her Late Majesty the Queen would keep her Christmas decorations up till the end of January. So I've had the Queen quoted at me this week when it's like, we're going to take this stuff down. She's like, no. Queen Elizabeth II, God rest her soul, kept her Christmas decorations up till the end of January. So we are doing the same. The, the, the edict went out in my house. I was like, what? So just I'll, I'll keep you posted on how that goes, but our tree will probably still be up in three weeks' time. All right, I hope you guys had a good Christmas and New Year. Managed to get some time uh, to relax, family, friends, chill out and enjoy that. We had a good family Christmas. Um, we managed to get some time together as family. We saw extended family. We had time out. We did gifts. We did food. Like one of the things I love about Christmas and that time is food. It is amazing, all the stuff around. So we did that. So that was awesome. Uh, but at the same time, we also had illness in our home. Um, I, was, I got ill on the 22nd of December, sore throat, runny nose, cough, blah, 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 and it still hasn't shifted. I'm still, I'm probably about 93%. I'm getting there, but I'm still not there. I then somehow, I don't think I did, but Mel accused me. I, got, I passed it on to Levi, our eldest son, so he's got it. So he's had that. And then Ash got it a bit, our youngest son. And then, to make matters worse, yesterday, <laughs> Asher was sick. And so... <laughs> There is illness in our house, and so please pray for us. That's why my family are not here. Melanie is at home with them because I was preaching. She has kind of had to stay at home, and so she's just frustrated and annoyed because she wants to be here with you. The boys are too. They want to be here with you, but we can't do that. Um, so please pray for them. Uh, they haven't been back, been back to school yet this year, and so we'd love them to be added well enough to go to school Monday and start 2023. It feels like we're, we've been held back. We haven't managed to start this year well as a family. Um, and so please uh, be in prayer for us. Also, another good thing that happened over the, the break was uh, my oldest son became a teenager. So pray for us. I showed him the Harry Enfield video. He laughed a lot. And I said, you're not going to be like that, are you? And he said, no, daddy. We'll see. Time will tell. All right. What we're going to look at um, today is um, what I usually do at the start of each term is a quick um, this is where we are, this is what God has talked to, told, said to us, and this is where we're going. And so back in September, when I did this, I outlined a few things. I want to have a quick reminder and then look forward to this year. We talked about, um, back in September, we, we looked back over the first 10 years of the life of the church. Church began uh, this time in 2011, when a small group of us uh, started meeting together over at Bannersgate Community Hall and we gathered and we felt God had spoken to us and we spent 10 years then establishing the church and the Lord has been so good and so gracious to us. We've seen numbers 
grow and multiply. We've seen people saved, become Christians, choose to follow Jesus, repent of their sin. We've seen many baptized. We've seen people healed. We've established a kids' work and a youth work, which is thriving and growing. We've been good to our community. We've served the needy. Uh, we've seen God provide financially for us, and we've seen um, leaders increase and multiply. People find giftings and callings and serving the church and serving the wider community. It has been wonderful. And then COVID happened, lockdown happened, all that stuff went on, and it was a difficult season for many of us. We celebrated our 10th birthday online, which no one had prepared for. It was like, this is the worst um, and that whole season was tough, but it served as a powerful reminder to me that church needs to be done face to face. Church is an in person thing. We need to do it and we need to be together in the room with one another. Someone even spoke to me this morning and said, even though we've had a couple of weeks off with the Christmas stuff, she said, I, I miss this. I want to be back with people. I want to be back with God's people worshiping. God together. And so it's wonderful that we can do that. And then we started looking at the next 10 years. What has God got in store for us? What is next for real life church and all the people in it? And the answer we felt God say was it was time for us to grow up. Our first 10 years have been about establishing us as a church, doing all the things um, that needed to get going. And, and God spoke about the image of a child when a child is born. There's lots of energy, lots of activity, helping them, serving them, expecting them to grow up, doing all those things. It can be exhausting, but you get through it. But then when they get to sort of the age 10, 11, you look to the next 10 years, and that is a real season when children have to grow up. They have to learn to do things for themselves. They go to big school. They, get, uh, they have to be responsible for their own learning. They get keys to the house. They get access to technology. Um, they have to learn and work and study towards exams. They learn to drive. They learn to vote. And eventually, they leave home. And so us as a church, we are in that stage. We are having to grow up and look towards it. And in this stage of development, we want to be a church who are growing up more and more as individuals, but also as a body together. So that's where we're looking to go. That's where we're heading over the next 10 years. And as we do that, we need to remind ourselves of what we're about as a church, what God has spoken to us. And we're all about Jesus here. That is our purpose. That is our undefining, sorry, not undefining, our unchanging reason for being um, in this place, doing what we do. Because we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and changing our world with Jesus. We're all about him. And we're all about getting to know him, becoming more like him, and then serving those around us with that, with what God has put in us. And so as the next 10 years grow, we've been asking ourselves this question, does it help us have a relationship with Jesus? And we've been looking at all the things in church life, and we've encouraged people to look at things in their own life. Is what you do, is what you spend your time with, is what you spend your money on, is it helping you grow a relationship with Jesus? Because if it's not, it's time to review it's time to look at it and think, do I need to change this? Do I need to abandon it completely? Do I need to tweak it to move it in the right direction? Is this helping me grow a relationship with Jesus? And so that's what we're asking ourselves. That's what we're, we're looking to. And we want to grow up in our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to remain static. We don't want to remain the same. We want to be moving forward. And so what I want to look at today is a little scripture to help us with that. And so if you've got a Bible, can you turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, and we're going to 
look at this scripture together, and we're going to read it together. Now, the context of this, just before we read it out, is the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of our New Testament, many of the letters found in his writing to a church in Colossae, and at the beginning of the letter, he greets them, then he's, he, and he spends that first sort of chapter, and he does two things. One, he reminds them who Jesus is. We have that famous section with the image, he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. And so it's looking, saying to the church, remember who Jesus is, how awesome he is. He is God, God the Son, being revealed to us. Then he also, then he goes on to tell them what Jesus has done. He's reconciled man to God through his death on the cross. He died in your place for your sins so that you can be adopted into God's family. And so he said, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. And then he gets to this verse in verse 28. And I'd love us to read it together. So if you can see it on the screen, I'll move out of the way. I'm going to go one, two, three. And I'd love us all to read what it says on there and what Paul said to the church in Colossae. So three, two, one, go. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let's read that again. One, two, three, go. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. All right, let's have a little look. At this verse. So Paul has said, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done. Now this is what I want you to do, church. And there's going to be three things. The first one is Paul's aim. Paul's aim is to make it all about Jesus. If you look at the bookends of that verse, it's all about Jesus. It starts in him and it ends in Christ. The him is Jesus who he's talking about and the end the Christ, a title for Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And Paul says that I'm here to proclaim it. What that means is to announce broadly. I want to let as many people in as many places know about Jesus. I will proclaim that message. It is to go far and wide to every person regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background, regardless of education or employment. I want everybody to know about Jesus. But second, but it's not just proclaiming, it's actually I want people to have a relationship with Jesus because that verb, that phrase, in Christ, if you read the letters of Paul's, it comes up a lot and it's basically Paul's shorthand for saying a Christian. That's more the phrase we would use now but for what he used at the time was in Christ. He's talking about men and women who have met the risen Lord Jesus have repented of their sins, put their faith and trust in him, and as a result, they have been transformed. They have been moved from death to life, from darkness to light, from the kingdom of this world to his godly kingdom. And they are now in Christ. They share some of his characteristics. They are holy. They are righteous. They've been adopted into God's family and have access to God as Father. That's what it means. And Paul is saying, I want people to have a relationship with Jesus. And this happens in community, because it says we proclaim. So actually, Paul is writing at the beginning of the letter. It's not just Paul. He's got his um, uh, ministry um, buddy, Timothy. They're writing the letter. So it's actually, it's part of the community. We're doing this. He's not a lone ranger. He's part of a church family. We want to proclaim 
the, the, Jesus to everyone and have relationship with them. We want to proclaim who he is. He is both fully God, fully man. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place for our sins on the cross, rose bodily from death, ascended into heaven, and one day will come back. And so he's proclaiming who he is and what he's done. And he wants people to have a relationship with him. That is Paul's aim, to have people know Christ and know him personally. And next we look at Paul's method. How does he do this? He warns and teaches, it says. He says, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So Paul wants people to know Jesus And he does it by warning and teaching. Warning, to admonish, to instruct firmly. If you warn someone about something, there is a forcefulness comes in it because you want to tell them something to prevent them going into error or hurting themselves or whatever it is. There is a a forcefulness to your words. And Paul is saying, actually, as he teaches the church, as he teaches Christians... As he teaches Christians, he has to warn them. There are ways that you are to act and there are ways that you are not to act. There are consequences to your actions. There can be positive consequences, but there also be negative consequences. If you do that, then this will happen and that's not good. So Paul says he warns people. He warns people, do not live your life like that. He encourages them to make good choices because if you make poor choices... There will be consequences. He says also he teaches. Teaching is to impart knowledge, to bring, bring uh, education to people, to say, you didn't know this, let me teach you about this. And this will, this will be about the person and work of Jesus, because he said that's his aim. So he's going to teach people about this, and this will obviously be based on the Scriptures. For him, it would be in the Old Testament primarily, but we have the Old and the New Testament in our Bibles And so this is what he teaches. This is why we teach it every week at church. We teach the Bible. And he says he does it with all wisdom, which means he's got to tailor his material. But depending who he's talking to and what the situation, what the context is, the kind of person he's talking to, how receptive they are, what they need to hear, there is a wisdom to what he does. And so he uses warnings and he uses teaching combined with godly wisdom to teach people about Jesus to tell them about Jesus, to bring that enlightenment. And that wisdom obviously comes from God. It's godly wisdom by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom who comes upon him in what he does. And this, he said, is aimed for everyone. In that, that bit alone, everyone appears twice. If you look ahead, there's actually there's another everyone, so there's three in one verses. This is for everybody. Everyone needs to hear this message. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. Everyone needs to be warned and taught. There is no one who can exclude themselves from this, regardless of who you are, regardless of how long you might have been a Christian. There's no super elite, oh, I've been around, I've heard it, I know the stuff, tick the box, got the T-shirt, I don't need to learn anymore. No, everyone does. Everyone needs to keep learning, keep growing, keep being warned, keep being taught all about Jesus. All come, all learn. And then we get on to the third and final thing, Paul's goal. Maturity in Christ, that we may present everyone, there's that everyone again, mature in Christ. Paul wants all believers to grow up in Jesus. It says that he wants to present them, that's to show 
to display what he's doing. He says he wants to present people. He wants to show people that he's been teaching, he's been leading, he's been warning. He wants to show them as mature believers. And again, it's for all of us. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, this is still the goal for you, to be mature in Christ and to keep maturing in Christ. Mature means to bring to completeness, the idea of advancing in character. There's a shaping, a forming going on, and that it's going somewhere, and it's going somewhere to look more and more like Jesus. The idea is if you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a Christian, that there should be something um, about the way you are that is being changed over time, that you are being transformed over time. Paul writes a letter in, uh, to Corinth, to Corinthians, about that the believers are transformed from one degree of glory to the other. They move and become more and more like Jesus. The kind of theological word is sanctification. We are, we are slowly being sanctified to become more and more like Jesus. We are growing in holiness in our life, in how we live, in how we act, in how we speak, in how we do our jobs, the way we interact with other people, our friends, our family, our children. That is being transformed bit by bit. As we grow and mature in Christ in the, um, as Christians, our love for Jesus grows. Our love for his word grows. Our love for his people grow. Our love for his purposes on this earth grow. Our love for prayer grows. And at the same time, the things that Jesus doesn't like, we, we increase in our repellence towards them. Sin in all its forms, we hate more and more as we become more and more like Jesus because that's what he did. The works of the enemy we despise, we don't tolerate it anymore. The things that happen in our life that God doesn't like, that would dishonor him, we, want, we seek to get rid of, to flee from. That's what it means to grow in maturity in Christ. And it is a lifelong process. It's not something where you've ever arrived Hopefully there will be a degree where I can see, if I look back, I was like this and now I'm like this, so I've changed, but actually I've never arrived. I am there and I'm still going. And it doesn't end till we see Jesus face to face and we are fully transformed to be like him and be with him forever. And so this is a lifelong process we all find ourselves on. We all keep going. And so Paul wants to tell them all about Jesus He's got his way of doing it. He's going to warn them. He's going to teach them. But he wants them to grow up as Christians. And as we move into 2023 as a church and what God has been saying to us, I want us to be challenged by this. I want us to be shaped by this. And I want us to think about how are we going to grow up our relationship with Jesus? How when we get to this time next year, so 2023 would have sort of run down, will be beginning of 2024, and you reflect back over the previous 12 months to this sermon that has lived with you all year because of the way it's been presented, and you look back and you say, this is how I've grown up in my relationship with Jesus. This is how I have matured in Christ. I can see things that have changed, and we don't know what this year holds, if the last few years have taught us anything. Just don't have any expectations because who knows what's going to happen. 
Because it's just like, what? Every year, it's just like, man, curveball after curveball. But we can take responsibility for ourselves and what we do and how we react to things going on in the world around us. And so we are going to have to take responsibility. And the question is, how are you going to grow up your relationship with Jesus? How are you going to look at things and say, how does, is this helping me have a relationship with Jesus? Therefore, what am I going to do about it? And this, um, this was, was shown starkly to me, this idea of growing up and taking responsibility. When my eldest son, Levi, went to secondary school a couple of years back when he started secondary school, um, He'd been in primary school. If you know anything about primary school, I used to be a primary school teacher. I love primary schools. Primary schools are, are smaller than secondary schools. They're a lot more nurturing. Uh, you know there's a limited, smaller staff pool, smaller children pool. You have one teacher for the kids who goes through the whole year so you can build relationship. It's great. Um, the, usually the people in the office know you when you turn up because you've been there a while, and there's that community. You go to secondary school, no, not a chance. The child goes in and it's like, that's it, kid. You're on your own. <laughs> Levi was sent in, uh, went in, and it was just suddenly like you have to be in different classes for different lessons, each one with a different teacher. I'd, I'd come home and say, oh, what did you have today? Oh, we had history. What was the name of your teacher? Don't know. Dude with a beard. And he had red hair. And you're like, anything else? No, that's it. And that went on for weeks. I said, find out their name. He said, yeah, but I've got so many teachers. There's a thousand plus pupils in the school. The worst is the school office, because if you are at primary school and your kid forgot something, what do you do? Run it up to school. The lovely lady in the office said, oh, hello, Mr. Crane. I'll make sure he gets that. In secondary school, they're like, no, tough. He hasn't got his PE kit detention. I'm like, what do you mean? We had one incident where we had, I'm on a WhatsApp group with some of the parents from the same year group, and one of the kids had forgotten their uh, PE kit. The parent went to take it to the school office. The office said, no, tough. The parent then texted the kid, because they allowed phones at the school at the time, threw it over the fence. The kid came out at break time and got it. It's like, yeah, we will beat the system. The, guard, the guards haven't got anything on us. And I'm like, what? But the school were like that. The school were like, no, the child has to take responsibility. They got a locker. They have to go and put it in a locker. And this, we, Levi heard this story, was like, I've got to take my pee kit every day. And it's like, you have to take responsibility for yourself. You've got to do it. The homework comes in. They've got to do the homework. They've got to fill in the stuff online. I'm just like, whoa, trying to keep up. But we have to grow up as well. And the danger is we get complacent and we sit. We think something's easy and we kind of just coast. But actually, we need to grow up in our relationship with Jesus. I want to look at just four quick things. And I want to challenge you on each one of them. How are you going to grow your relationship with Jesus in 2023? First one, your Bible and prayer. How are you going to grow this up? Your Bible and your prayer life is your responsibility. And as a Christian who's becoming more and more like Jesus, this is something that we delight in and we take priority in because it helps us build a relationship with Jesus. We read our Bible, we hear God speak to us, we talk to him in prayer about anything and everything that's going on with our life. These were modelled by all the saints we see through our Bible. Jesus himself did this thing, he knew his scriptures, he prayed, it says regularly, he engaged with his Father in heaven, he accessed all the, the heaven's resources, being filled with the Spirit, knowing that we too as believers, this is what we are to do. We are to diligently study the scriptures to know how to live this life. We are to pour out our hearts in prayer to our Father in heaven. 
about anything and everything that's going on. We can make requests. We can cry for help. We can praise him. We can worship him. We do all those things. And we live in a day and age in the 21st century where there are more resources to help you than ever existed in the history of the world to help you do this. If you think, I'm not sure where to start, there are so many different ways you can do it. So many different helps from Bible study, reading notes, um, to listening to your Bible, to daily devotionals. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. You can use the PRAY thing. We did the, the prayer course. There's so many different here. And plus we have a resource of 100 believers here you can go to and say, how do you do it? I'll do it like you and try that. I know for me personally, the two main things I do when it comes to reading my Bible and praying is I nicked from somebody else. Because I heard someone talk about it and thought, I'm going to do that. And I remember who they are and where they were when they said it. And I thought, I'm still doing it now, years and years later. Because they helped me have a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing new under heaven. Don't worry about stealing someone's ideas. Get into your Bible and prayer. And if you are really, really stuck and really kind of like, I don't know what to do, talk to Melanie and Charlotte and Jeremy who run the real life school and they will help you and they will find someone to mentor you so that you can grow up in your relationship with Jesus. Do not be passive this year about this church. Grow your relationship with Jesus. When it comes to corporate Bible, Bible reading and Bible teaching and corporate prayer, grow up in that. We teach through the book of Mark currently. We've done the first few chapters last term. We're going to pick up next week, go straight back into Mark. Follow along with us as a church and what God is saying to us as a people Grab the scripture journal if you haven't got that. That helps you take notes and just jot things down if that works for you. You can get it on your phone or your device and do that as well. Whatever it does, work for you. Catch up with those sermons. Be part of what's going on with God speaking to us as a family. That you're thinking, I'm following along with Mark too. I'm following the sermons. I catch up the one I missed because I was away or I was out and kids were or whatever. I'm, I'm hearing what God's saying there as we greet together to pray. Come and join us. Enough with the excuses. Jesus prayed. If you want to be more like Jesus, you pray. Pray with other believers. The, the Bible is littered with prayers. You pray together. The best way to learn how to pray, and I tell you this from personal experience, is to pray with others. It's to pray and pray with others. That's how I've, <laughs> I listen to others as they pray. I think, oh, they, you know what? they know how to pray. I'll pray like that for a bit. And then the more I pray, the more I learn. So pray and pray with others. Second thing to grow up in. Your Bible and prayer is your church family. Your church family. When Jesus saved you, when he called your name and you went from death to life, from darkness to light, he called you into something and that was his family, the church he did not call you to be a lone believer on your own somewhere else. He called you to be part of something, a place where you would find encouragement and growth and connection. And we have the worldwide century-spanning church, and then we have local expressions like this one, of which there are hundreds, thousands all over the world. And he called you to be a part of something, to be connected with other believers to be face-to-face with them on regular occasions. The church has met weekly for hundreds, thousands of years. Make it a priority that you are here being part of the church family. The church is the bride of Christ. 
Jesus loves his bride as any good husband would. He loves this and he loves that you're here and he loves that you're a part of it and he wants you to be here. It is a privilege for forgiven sinners to come and meet with God and his people. It is not something, an inconvenience you endure. And you might say, and it's fair enough, the church has flaws, there's many things wrong with it. And I would say, yes, it does. You're part of it. We'll need to grow up. And we look around and we see all the flaws and all they are are just reflecting yours and everyone's like it. But we grow together and we grow up together and through, through that we fulfill what the scripture says where we have to love one another and serve one another and forgive one another and care for one another and confess our sins to one another. That's what we do. That's what the church is for. It's God's way of growing you up. I found it fascinating when we had our second child. When we had one child, Levi, he thought everything revolved around him because he was the only child. He had a brother, and suddenly the word sharing took on a whole new meaning because there was another child there, and actually you had to share together, and he had to grow up in that. And so there are now two of you. We've got to share things out. You've got to learn to work together, and the church is like that. We have to learn to work together, to love one another, grow in grace towards one another, forgive one another, care for one another, serve for one another. Do everything you can to be part of that. I'm aware sometimes it's hard, illness. My family are not here. Some of you work shifts. Uh, sometimes you're on holiday and sometimes you have those one-off family events where you have to be granny's 80th and you've got to be somewhere else. But most of the time, you can be here. Come join us part of that. Grow up. What about finances? Let's push that one in a financial crisis that's coming, energy bills going up, interest rates, inflation. Do you need to grow up in your finances? Do you need to look at that? Because God's given you stuff to steward, but he's also given you stuff to be responsible for and to be generous with. For me, this time of year is a time we have to review our family finances, we have to review our giving, we will adjust it accordingly. And so I'm challenging you. Is that something that you need to look at? What you spend your money on, where it goes. The Bible talks about tithing, which is a good place to start. It's definitely not somewhere to stay uh, because there's, there's issues with that. But actually, there's stuff. Look at that as well. So we've gone your Bible and prayer, your church family. How are you going to grow up in those? Third one, your junk. What I mean by this is your struggles, your pains, your temptations, your wounds, the clutter of life that stops you having a relationship with Jesus. We called this church real life. Well, when I say we, God told us to do it. And so therefore, it's a place to admit our struggles. It's a place to say we're struggling, we're hurting, things are wrong. It's okay not to be okay here. But it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. It's okay to be hurting, to be wounded, to be struggling, to finding life difficult, but it's not okay to stay there. We need to be honest about the mess in our lives and then look to make progress to move through it, to get help, to get prayer, to get counseling, to get whatever it is to help us move forward. And we can look at this in a couple of categories. We look at that, number one, as the sin that we commit. There are things in our lives that we do 
Thoughts, words, actions that we commit. They can even be things we don't do that we should be doing because it works both ways. But there's sin in our lives. And we, things we dabble in that we know we shouldn't be. We need to grow up. We need to name them. If we're becoming more like Jesus, we should hate them. Because Jesus hates sin and all the things that affect God. So when we come to our sin, we confess it to God. But actually we're told to confess our sins to one another. We repent of it, which means we turn around and we go the other way and we seek forgiveness for that. We can also look at it in our junk as the sins that are committed against us, which happens all the time, every day. Sins are committed against us. And these can be huge things. These can be, relatively speaking, small things. But we still have to process them. We have to face this situation. We have to acknowledge hurts and wounds and things that have happened to us in our present or in our past. And this can be super painful to do. But we are still to acknowledge that, name it, and then by God's grace, move forward with it. And this is particularly important as we are imperfect believers and we are surrounded by lots of other imperfect believers. And so we need to be quick to forgive, quick to reconcile, quick to make amends where we can. And we are to do this in the context of the church community. The worst thing you can do is when you're in one of those situations, when you're dealing with hurt, dealing with pain, is to remove yourself from the church community. It's what the devil would love you to do, to isolate you and separate you. Why anyone would willingly choose to remove themselves from effectively the answer, which is how God uses people to serve one another, is beyond me. And people say things like, well, no one here can help me. No one here understands. And the answer to that, may, you might, there may be an essence of that true, but ultimately that's, that's, that's lies. Because God puts men and women around you who will serve you and love you and care for you and walk with you through whatever's going on. And they will help you. And they will serve you. And actually removing yourself from that can actually often be it's a sign of pride. It's like, actually, no one here can help me. I, I, I don't need you. And actually, no, we need to be upfront and honest with some of the things that are going on with us. And I think it's only fair when I say something like that is to just share my story and how I've had to process some stuff over the last uh, 12 months. Um, I went through lockdown like all of you, COVID and all that malarkey, um, and it took its toll on me uh, personally, being under a lot of pressure um, with the church, kind of suddenly having to stop and then trying to work out how do we do church online and all the things and putting out videos and stuff we'd never done before and what that meant and then trying to care for people from a distance. It was a really horrible time for me uh, and I took a lot of hits through that. And what uh, kind of revealed to me as we sort of came out of that season is I became aware that I, I, had, I wasn't a very nice person to be around. And this bore, the main brunt was with my family, my immediate family, my wife and kids. They took the brunt of it. I was angry. I was short-tempered. I was harsh. I was ungracious. I went from zero to 60 that fast. Just when things went wrong, it was not a good season for them. Um, and I remember uh, in the summer, it was actually about 18 months ago, I had to sit down with Melanie. Uh, and I, hey, I just basically confessed to her. I said, this is where I am, this is what I'm seeing, this is how I'm doing, to which I was hoping she would say something along the lines, no, you're not like that. No, don't be so hard on yourself. 
to which she just looked at me and nodded. And I, I, I paused. The pause got longer. I thought, you're not going to give me any room on this, are you? No. And so I had to confess my sins to my wife and say, sorry for what I'd done. And, but then I had to then go and think, well, actually, I'm part of a community, so I had to go to the leaders, I had to go to the elders and the directors and tell them how I'd been and what had been going on with me. They recommended I go and talk to someone, which means at the beginning of uh, 2022, I went and got some counselling, which I'd never done before, which was just weird for so many reasons. And I went there and I did some sessions, the counsellor just talking about what I had been through and what it had done to me. And we kind of diagnosed a few things um, that had been happening in my life. And it was a, a good process. But the danger with that was actually I could just deal with it over there. And I didn't, I didn't have to worry about the community. And I'm the church leader, so I've got trump cards like you wouldn't believe. No one knows what I'm going through. No one does what I do. No one else is paid full time by the church. I could easily cop out on, on everything, but I thought that's not the way to go. So I had to go back to my leaders, to the elders, to the directors, to my wife, to my family, and say, actually, I, have, I am guilty of the sin of cynicism, bitterness, unforgiveness, self-reliance, self-absorption, anger, pride in all these things. And it's manifesting in how I am being around you because of things that have happened. And that doesn't excuse what I did. It's just the way I've processed these things, I've been like that. And that was a truly humbling process to do. I'd go to a council, I'd have a session on Monday, wherever it was, and then Thursday was a leaders' meeting. It's like, right, let's start. Well, let me tell you what we talked about this week. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what I'm sorry for. And that's what it did. And we went through that process, and it was great to go and talk to someone. It was good to have a, a time, an opportunity, but the, one of the big sort of flaws with that is it diagnoses problems but doesn't deal with them. So, yep, you're like that. And it's like, great, thanks for that. I need now to come back to the community, confess my sins, and seek reconciliation and saying, love me, forgive me, stand with me, walk with me, pray for me, help me as I work my, excuse me, as I work my way through this. And so I had to bring it all back into the community. And it was a difficult process, but God was good, God's grace was there. And so I tell you that, one, to confess my sins to you, and I ask you, please forgive me. If I've been like that with you, harsh, angry, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I will endeavor to move towards Christ-likeness and be better, a better leader, a better pastor uh, for you guys. But I want to do it in the context of community. I cannot take it out there, deal with it, and then pretend you would never know about it because that's ultimately pride. Actually, it's got to come back here. And I just have to say, sorry, this is who I am. I'm working on it. Um, and my leaders know about it. My wife knows about it. My kids know about it. And so we're moving forward. So how are you going to grow up this year? Deal with your junk, whatever it is. God will reveal it to you. God will show you. Find someone to talk to. Pray through, whatever it is, God has provided resources within this room to serve you. And it might not be the answer. Sometimes you need to go out and do things, but ultimately bring it back here. This is where we walk together. This is where we learn together. This is where we love together. So that's that one. Number four, your everyday life. How are you going to grow up? We had our series end of last year. Remember that one? I wish it could be every day. Well done. We've got to do everyday life. We've just got to 
keep going. Um, the, the devotional, we finished ours last night. <laughs> a little bit late starting, sickness just blew it out. But we went through it all as a family. All, all four of us did it every night. We finished it last night, which was just ironic when I was coming back to here. But actually, think everyday life now goes on. Everyday life goes on. I'm going to walk it with Jesus because it can be Christmas every day. I can have a relationship with him. And so how are you going to grow up walking with Jesus every day? Whether you're at school or at work or you volunteer something or you've got raising kids or you're meeting your neighbors and friends and going to do those things. How are you going to live out the kingdom of God in those places? How are you going to love and serve people in those places? How are you going to be at your workplace Maybe we spend most of our time when we're not asleep doing those things. How are you going to serve others there, be under authority? How are you going to proclaim the name of Jesus, pray for the sick, serve the needy, work hard, submit to authority, be full of the Holy Spirit? We've got an Alpha course starting. Talk to Robert at the back about it. Who are you going to invite to Alpha and say, hey, do you want to know a little bit more about Jesus? Let me tell you what he's done in my life. But we've got to be men and women who go out into the world and we serve it and we love it because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Last bit, we'll end. Two responses. Two responses. I've noticed over doing this for nearly 20 years now that when you challenge, provoke people, there are two types of responses that you can have. And I wonder which one you're going to be today. First one, run and hide. Run and hide from God, run and hide from his people. Refuse to deal with the pain, refuse to deal with what's been told to you. And this could be for a whole lot of reasons. It could be because it's just, it just feels too hard, it just feels too much. It could be because it's too painful, because something's been pushed on in your life and you think, that just hurts. It could be because you're just too lazy and you just don't want to deal with it. Or you could say, oh, I'm just too busy. It's a great excuse for the 21st century West, isn't it? Too busy, so much going on. Don't do this. God has asked you to grow. How are you going to grow? Don't be the, <laughs> the child who sticks his fingers in the ear and goes, la, 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 I cannot hear you. Walk out the door. The second response is rise to the challenge. There are those who hear what's being said, who respond in faith and rise to the challenge. Remember the parable of the sower? Mark chapter four. The word goes out. What kind of ground are we going to fall on today? It's your opportunity to respond. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be quick. It doesn't mean it's going to be straightforward. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be humbling. It's not a quick fix on life. It means long-term commitment, following Jesus day by day, growing more and more like him. But I want to encourage you, keep going. Keep doing those things. Amen? Amen. Do you want to stand up? Can the band come back up? We'll stop there. I just want to pray for you and then we're going to worship. Do you want to just open your hands and close your eyes? Just put your eyes on him. And I just want to, I want to pray for you specifically now. And I want to say this. There is a moment here in God, as I was kind of reading through my stuff this morning, and just thought, okay, what am I going to do? I, there's a holy moment now where you get to set the trajectory of the next 12 months by the decisions you make today. Because you just start. What's that old proverb? A journey of a thousand miles begins with what? First step. 
Well, let's make a first step today. And the first step is a response of faith to Jesus to say, yeah, I want to go with you this year, 2023. I want to grow up in you. I want to build my relationship with you. I want to mature in you. So when we get back to this time next year, it's like, actually, yeah, something's happened. Something's moved. I can see tangible growth. And I I believe a response of faith God honors by his spirit. He will take that and say, yeah, I will work with you on that. And so are you willing to make the decision now? So I'm going to pray and you can respond and then we're going to sing. So Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you've been here with us. We thank you that you are here with us now. Lord, fill us by your Spirit. Lift our eyes to Jesus. Let us look in his face. Lord God, we say this year... I want to grow up in you. I want to mature in you. I want to listen to the warnings and listen to the teachings and to respond to them in faith. I don't know what that holds. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the next few weeks hold, God, but I want to say I want to make my decision, my responsibility to grow in you. In my Bible reading, in my prayer, in my church life, dealing with my junk, And also in my everyday life, serving you out and around. Lord, I want to grow up in you. Would you use me? Would you shape me? Would you form me to your image that I may look more and more like you? And God's people said, Amen.